Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. I love Jen's laugh every morning, and you guys make me laugh every single morning. And Taylor, I've been trying to figure you out for a little while. This does hurt my heart a little bit when I hear my wife talking about how we're getting a little fast and loose with the gravy. <laughs> we're going going willy-nilly, just <laughs> drizzling gravy over too many things. And I'm like, gravy is the great unifier. It makes everything better. Back in the halcyon days of my youth... I couldn't ever even conceive of somebody not liking gravy. Yeah. I mean, gravy is used as a metaphor for all good things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you were talking about how your wife doesn't really care for it on anything other than mashed potatoes yeah. or maybe biscuits. But Taylor, I'm going to do you one worse. I did an informal poll here at Life 107.1. There were five of us present mm-hmm. virtually. Out of the five of us here that were answering the question, two people here at Life 107.1 yeah. say they don't like gravy at all. And think about this. Two at of those all. two of those people are me and Jen. And like that basically doesn't count. So only one person in the office that isn't me and Jen actually <laughs> likes gravy. I can't believe right? that. I, I love these people and I work alongside of it's them. It's so sad. All the time and they don't like gravy. I didn't know that that existed. The Psalms have taken on a whole new meaning. Actually, that's not true, is it? The Psalms have always meant what they meant. It took something like this to drive me back to the Psalms. It's amazing just being able to read these out loud, even for me. It's done something inside me. Like, I feel more peaceful when we get done with these. Hmm. So it's been... If for nobody else on the planet, it's been good for me. Yeah. And uh, today I want to read Psalm 19. It says the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end, and nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. They are more desirable than gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me, and then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I made pork in the crock pot over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And you know what happens when you cook pork in a crock pot? You get all that wonderful juice. Yeah. And then you know what you do with that juice? You turn it into gravy. Because that's what you do. This is America. And when you can put gravy on something, you put gravy on something. Taylor and I are of one mind on gravy. Taylor's wife is not. What about you? I am not a fan of gravy. Oh, what? No. Mindy. <laughs> 
Why? <laughs> Explain yourself. Oh. It's just that I don't like my food touching, so <laughs> gravy should not go on really anything. So that's all no. gravy does, to be fair, is it touches other stuff. Yeah, and it brings everything together. <laughs> yes, no. 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 So what if, I mean, if right. you had just a gravy soup, it wouldn't be touching anything. <laughs> oh. Would you do that? Oh, no. No? no. Okay, I, I tried. I think you just no. made her be sick a little bit in her car. <laughs> wow. This is Taylor and Jen. Who's this? This is Jennifer. Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Okay, with a name like that, mm. you must be a smart and beautiful woman. How do you feel about gravy? I despise gravy. Oh, Whoa! Jennifer! That no! is strong words. I am married to a man who loves gravy, who has produced children who love gravy. <laughs> I eat gravy once a year on Thanksgiving and only on the turkey. Wow. Never the mashed potatoes. You don't even put it on the mashed potatoes. And why do you put it on the turkey? Well, because, you know, the, the turkey tends to get a little dry. Yeah. So you need to give it a little love. Yeah. <laughs> but at no other point in time during the year will gravy touch my plate in any capacity. Wow. Dr. Heidi, I have to tell you, one of the things that I'm saddest about in the midst of this pandemic is that mm-hmm. I don't like going to the grocery store anymore. We don't look at each other. We don't talk to each other. It seems like it's something that we have to survive. I've gotten dirty looks for wearing a mask, dirty looks for not wearing a mask, dirty looks for standing in the wrong space or standing too close. It is not a fun experience anymore. It's not. And we are in the midst of a group trauma event that is ongoing. And so if you feel like you're more stressed than normal, if you feel like something is happening. It's it's really because it is. And what you just described is the experience that we all are having. I was in Costco and I got yelled at for not standing six feet away from someone. And there was no cute old ladies offering samples and no one was mm. making eye contact. And it was super intense. And I remember driving home from that and my heart was racing and I was super tense. And I'm driving with my shoulders up to my ears. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, if I didn't know what was happening in my body right now, I could have a panic attack. <laughs> like oh. it was intense. But what I knew is that everything was so different that my body was responding not to what I knew cognitively. I was responding it to it emotionally. And we're having these almost subconscious reactions to these changes that are leading to more panic attacks, that are leading to more anxiety. And we have to recognize what's going on. We are spending a lot more time in the emotional center of our brain than we are in that frontal lobe that helps us make wise and rational decisions so it's like we are non-stop in a state of mind like we're being chased by a pack of wolves yep we're in that fight or flight mode more often than we realize so we have to recognize that this is a big thing that's happening and it's affecting us and it's affecting our body and we have to do things to get us out of that fight or flight mode back into rational thinking a big piece of that is going to be taking deep breaths and even just labeling it wow, that grocery store trip, that was an experience. That was a thing, right? And as we put words to it, as we label it, we're starting to begin that process of working through the trauma that we're all experiencing. But the truth is we will not be able to fully process these experiences until we're on the other side of it. So right now, if it feels like you're in survival mode, you are, and that's okay. Our goal right now is just to label what's going on to take it one grocery store trip at a time mm-hmm. um, and to really get to the other side. I remember when I was raising two toddlers, I read about a study, a scientific study, where they had a triathlete 
follow a two-year-old around oh dear for a couple of days and the triathlete eventually cried uncle and said that he would rather train for a triathlon <laughs> than try to raise toddlers toddlers are they're in a class by themselves that's how challenging they are yeah aaron would agree with you so i have um two-year-old twin boys and they are masters of destruction oh <laughs> One of the twins climbed in the refrigerator a couple weeks ago and grabbed the 18 carton of eggs out, and he threw them all over the floor. And as we were cleaning it up, he was like, feel it, feel it. Feel so it. didn't even have a clue. Didn't have a clue that it was naughty he did that, but it was just so, it felt so great. Those raw eggs all over the floor. This is so unique, you guys. You got to check it out. Listen to her laughing. Were you laughing then? Um, You try not to, but, you know, they're pretty cute. If you currently have a toddler in your life, <laughs> bless you. And I'm just going to say this someday you will laugh at your story of surviving toddlerhood. One night, their room was right next to ours, and I heard giggling. And walking through the hall, I was stepping in lots of water, water, water. Oh, no. They were so proud of themselves when I walked in, they wanted me to slide down their water slide. Oh! Um, how did they create a water slide? They took their mattress, turned it sideways, and dumped pictures of water down it. Oh, my oh boy! Oh, boy. <laughs> how old were they? Two and three. Oh, my yep. word! Yep. How old are they now? 13 and 14. How oh, you so doing? Oh, so I'm sure that's an adventure. <laughs> I never slept. I never slept! <laughs> you know, all of us that are here, and if you're listening, you're here, we were all toddlers once, too, mm-hmm. which means our moms and dads had to survive us. Somehow I got into this cupboard. My mom didn't have a last clothes. I was able to get the Crisco. <laughs> I, I used to eat spoonfuls of Crisco no! and, 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 uh, and the flour and all kinds of stuff and get it all over the floor. But I don't eat Crisco anymore. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Toddlers. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what they are? They are... The answer to your prayers for patience. (laughs) They sure do. Your toddler survival stories are giving me patience just hearing them. Two toddlers that were pretty close in age. And so they got into the flower and got it all over my kitchen. Of course. And I mean, they were covered in in, in flour. Had to go. So my husband decides to, to make a lock for our lazy Susan. So he's making this fancy lock and he spent like 45 minutes making this lock so they couldn't get in. And then my toddlers are watching and watching. And as he gets done and he walks away, my toddler flips the lock, got it open in like two seconds. Oh, what? <laughs> no! And I was like, well, that worked for a second, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> At least it slowed him down. It's because he let them yeah. watch. They're too smart. Right? I know. They, you could tell they were just like so involved in what he was doing. I was like, are you kidding me? And now my son is going to be an engineer. So of course, he, of course he is. Yeah. yeah. That only makes sense. This is a hard-hitting one. It is? It hits me hard, anyway. We ask the important questions here. Well, my children seem to prefer craft macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese from a box and to I, I my say, homemade mac and cheese. I'm on your kid's side here, <gasps> Jen. I, I really like mac and cheese out of a box. Ugh. How do you feel about mac and cheese, Ken? As my granddaughter would call it, mac and a cheese. Mac and a cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I got to side with Jen on this Yay! one. Yay! 
Really? It does not compare to homemade. Uh-uh. Really? Thick, thick elbow noodles. Homemade macaroni cheese is like a casserole. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. And you know what I, I do yeah, with I like- mine? I put chunks of smoked ham in mine. Ooh. Ooh. That's just a different oh, sure. food at that point. <laughs> There's something about, like, when you look at the cheese sauce and it looks like it might have come out of a uranium container. (laughs) There's something really special about that. If it's not crawling, it's okay. (laughs) Warning. This discussion could make you hungry for carbs. I'm really Seriously. craving some mac and cheese I right now. Too. I love mac and cheese. And if I have the time to make it homemade, I will with love and lots of butter and cheese. But my kids and Taylor, they prefer box mac yeah, and cheese. You have it out of a box. And if you're feeling Ugh. fancy, maybe you sprinkle some cayenne pepper and some paprika on there. Oh, my word. And we call it good. How do you feel about that, Paul? Yeah, I'm siding with Jen with this one. Really? Back memories. Mom used to make it there on the counter and cutting up those Velveeta cheese squares, and I would I would come by and grab one or two and put them in my mouth, and I remember the creaminess mm. of the mac. So your mom made homemade mac and cheese with Velveeta. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Velveeta melts like no other cheese stuff mm. does. <laughs> then you can put a can of tuna in there. Ooh. Then you got even more protein. Yeah, I can tell what <laughs> decade you grew up in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same as mine. <laughs> Am I fighting a lost cause? I, I I want my children to like homemade mac and cheese better than box mac and cheese. But I'm failing. They would prefer Kraft or Velveeta or anything from a box. There's just something about Kraft macaroni and cheese. It's one of the greatest inventions of our lifetime. Oh, no. Sue has a crystal clear memory of discovering it. I had my day of awakening many years ago. My son is 36 now, but when he was six years old, he had to stay at the neighbor's house for a little bit. Mm. And he came home and he was raving about what she made for dinner. (laughs) And I was like, oh, i got to find out. He goes, yeah, this yellow stuff, Mom, is so good, so good. So I go over and I ask him, and she goes, it's Kraft macaroni and cheese from a box. (laughs) I went, serious? It's this yellow stuff. (laughs) Yes, this yellow stuff. Here's the kicker. I go home and I tell my husband all this. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, we have that at work. We throw it in the microwave. It's really good. I said, serious? You eat it too? (laughs) I'm the only one left out. My kids didn't even know what it was. Sometimes psychology gets a bad rap. You know, like it's this theoretical science. Yeah, but, it's all like thinking and, and, you know, nothing that you can really actually do anything about. But that's not true. I mean, when no. we, recently we talked with Dr. Heidi Vermeerquist from Heartland Christian Counseling, and she told us about PERMA, which is basically the five pillars of positive psychology, and all of them have actions associated with them. What's really, really wonderful about the message of positive psychology, and it's not unique to me, and it was developed by another psychologist by the name of Martin Seligman. But in my mind, he repackaged scripture, Hmm. whether he knew it or not, encouraged us to think in terms of how much of a role does our psychology play in our well-being, in whether or not we just survive or we're focusing on resilience and weathering the storm and and growing through it. Hmm. And so the five pillars of positive psychology are an easy word that doesn't mean anything is the acronym PERMA, Mm P-E-R-M-A. 
And I always like to start off with the WWW question of what works well or similar, what would work? So when we're in a really difficult situation, when we're really, you know, grieving something that is a loss that we cannot control, that truly there is a true helplessness or a victimization that's kind of happened in our lives. We can acknowledge it. We can put words on it, which is actually very helpful. Kind of taking that step back of acknowledging those things we cannot change. But what can I work in? Well, I can work on my own psychology. And again, this is where the marriage in my mind of scripture and PERMA is so cool because the P of PERMA is positive emotion. So ask yourself personally, what works well for Taylor or Jen or Heidi to experience positive emotion? I just have to say dark chocolate and I can <laughs> feel positive emotion I just, without even eating I it. I just now. love you I'll even more to, right now. You know, <laughs> how about, I mean, let's keep it super simple. Mm-hmm. Positive emotion, Jen. Laughing with a friend. Laughing yeah. with a friend. That works well, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And is that something that you can do? Yes. Even if it's about, virtual. You, yep. I have certain oh. TV shows that I know anytime I pull them up, I'm instantly going to be in a good place. Right. They work well for you. Yeah. And it's easy. It's not something that like I feel really good after I work out, but that takes a lot of effort to get to that place where pulling up a TV show is like easy, (laughs) predictable, makes me happy. I'm so with you. In fact, working (laughs) out might be the A of PERMA for you. (laughs) It doesn't do quite the immediate gratification of for Jen laughing with a friend for me, dark chocolate. I mean, I'm from Pella, so... I'm a little bit of a sugar addict. (laughs) And then for you, you know, some of those TV shows that you just have this awesome, like emotional attachment with. (laughs) I love to encourage people, think about how then God has uniquely created you. So the TV show that Taylor loves, I might not have as deep and quick of positive emotional response as he would, Mm -hmm. right? And Jen, you may or may not like love dark chocolate as much as I do. The point being, we're all unique. Mm -hmm. And so listening to our creator and the one life he's given to us and beginning to be self-aware of what works well with producing positive emotion when we're struggling. They do need to be like positive, healthy decisions, you know, and we're all super guilty of making stupid decisions. I can eat way too much dark chocolate, Mm -hmm. you know, or Mm -hmm. I bet maybe... Taylor, you might sometimes watch too much TV. I could sit down and binge that show for way too long. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to get in trouble for laughing with my friends during school. (laughs) It all comes full circle. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Again, this is a coping skill, right? Mm -hmm. To, To shift the negative emotion to a positive emotion. E is engage. When we're talking about engage, that was the old word that the new word that we use now all the time is mindfulness. Put your mind fully, engage fully in whatever you're doing. Right now. Yep. In the moment. Very good point. Again, it's not bad. Those feelings can tell us what was important to us and that we miss and that we're grieving and that we talk to God about those things. But then, oh my word, God invites us to get back in the moment. Mm. I just think it's so brilliant how he, when Moses said, who are you to the burning bush, God was like, I am. I love that. It's my favorite right? name of yeah. God. It's my favorite name for God. <laughs> Get in the moment. And Jesus tells us too, don't worry. I gotcha. So engage in what you're doing. Um, in mindfulness, I remembered learning about it and going, oh my word, I can just do one thing at a time. <laughs> I, I thought that wasn't okay. Like, But it's so healthy. Mm-hmm. Like when you're walking, just walk. Mm-hmm. When you're talking, just talk. 
when you're drinking your coffee, actually taste the coffee or the water or the whatever. Yeah. I love the image of as a master pianist is just fully engaged in their music, even in a concert where you can tell they probably aren't even aware of the folks out there. Mm. That's the kind of engagement that we're invited into. And that's the kind of engagement that when we do that too, with an awareness of the Lord, I think it becomes worship. I remember the first time I got taught mindfulness and I did like one of the mental exercises I got done and I was like, that felt a lot like prayer should. Mm. Yes. Amen. I think it's just not really new under the sun, mindfulness and engagement. And what's missing in secular psychology is the God component Mm. and the God component makes all the difference because then we're not being mindful by ourselves. We're being mindful with a God who loves us. Okay. These have been so good. I'm like really curious now. What's R? (laughs) R is relationship. Oh, I like that one. There's a word for Jen. So so there's your laughing with a friend. You're covering P and R. Okay. Yeah. That would be me. Two and one. (laughs) Yep. And it has to be positive relationships, right? right? Yes. So you want to be thinking vertical how am I positively relating with the Lord? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean I have to be thankful and happy. I mean, you can be totally grumpy with God and that's a positive. <laughs> you're being honest. Uh, you're being King right, David. Because you're being honest, right? And then similarly with positive social support, your family, your friends, safe people to um, really be real with and that you're able to provide some space too for them Yeah, to really be real with you. Mm-hmm. I'm often much more blessed, I think, by some of my clients Mm. and my friends and family when they're vulnerable with me, because that gives me permission then too to learn how to be more vulnerable myself. It's an amazing gift that God gives us relationships. I have a real instinct to kind of, when I'm going through a hard time, just turn in on myself and curl up in this little shell. And I literally had this light bulb moment a couple months ago where I was like, I have a cell phone and I can text one of my friends and say, hey, my feelings are really bad right now. Mm -hmm. And like, that's all I have to text. And like, I would want to get that text from a friend. I would want to know. And it's opened up this whole door to a deeper friendship with several of my friends. That's awesome. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. You know what? COVID-19 for my own group of friends, I am suddenly talking to my high school friends and Mm. my college friends like almost every other day. Yep. Do what you need to do. Reach out. So often I'll talk with people and they're so depressed because nobody's reaching out to them. Mm-hmm. Those two ways. <laughs> and I'm like, um, so it sounds like you want to connect. Well, yeah, but nobody's reaching out to me. So maybe you could reach yeah. out. <laughs> you can be the one because maybe your friends are saying, man, nobody's reaching out to me right now. Oh, Exactly. I mean, when you said that, you know, sometimes I go in and I curl up in myself. Welcome to the human race. We all do that, right? <laughs> and it's really important that we all recognize that we all do that. Yeah. yeah, We are prone to kind of go in. And, you know, that all the more convinces me and my faith that Jesus is just right on. I've got to connect with him. I've got to abide with him and in relationship to others. I love it. And then M is meaning in the like literature on resiliency, meaning is really, really a a hot topic. People who, as they go through suffering and have been able to see and appreciate purpose and meaning and wisdom that they've gleaned from that suffering, those are the folks who are the most resilient. 
you know, we don't have to be pie in the sky, like, oh, I'm so glad about this because it taught me that, you know. Yes, the lament, all of that's important, but you don't want to get stuck there. You want to be working through it. And part of working through it then too is is a willingness to step back, radically accept it as it is, not as I would have it, and ask the Lord, like, what are you trying to teach me here? What are you trying to teach us here? All we have to do is ask that question sometimes. And it's pretty amazing how our eyes will be opened to something. And I mean, I I come back to so many scriptures, like I I think of the James passage of considerate joy when you face trials, like that sounds a lot like God just enforcing this whole meaning topic years and years before people were talking about it. Absolutely. Okay, what's A? And then A, A is a simple one. A is accomplishment. Hmm. Oh. Get get something done. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've got laundry to do this weekend. I don't really want to do it. Me neither. But when I do it, I'll feel good that it got done. Me too. It just feels good to get something done. I always want to encourage people, though, remember, we are not created to be human doings. So our worth and value are not dependent on getting stuff done. We are human beings. God created us to love him and love our neighbor as ourselves and participate with him 24-7. But he did make us to kind of work and to get Mm -hmm. stuff done, to be a co-laborer in whatever is right in front of us. And sometimes it's definitely doing work that we don't really relish doing. And you know what? A lot of times if we apply the other, the P-E-R-M, we can improve that task. I've actually learned to enjoy washing dishes, which is ridiculous because I, my mom is probably, if she ends up listening to this, she'll be like, really, really, (laughs) you hated dishes, which I did. I did. Mm -hmm. I was me too. I was such a grumbler, you know, but the accomplishment of getting those dishes cleaned, then participating in the warm water, the soap, the experience of Mm. seeing something so gross becomes so shiny. Yeah. I now like that. Yeah, Yeah. I get that. Almost verging on a positive emotion thing for me. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. Not quite. Last night, I washed the pots and pans that had been soaking in my sink for a day. And just seeing that pile of clean pots and pans on the kitchen as I walked out, I'm like, that is good. Mm. Yeah, there's the positive psychology. I did something today. (laughs) So so the other great thing about positive psychology, PERMA, is that just like you guys are noticing that you already do a lot of these skills, Mm -hmm. I think everybody out there probably is doing some of these skills without realizing, but by being more self-aware of that I can do these things, that becomes a more accessible tool in your toolkit. And you can realize when you've been skipping out on some of them. Oh, very much so. I am not a good in the moment person. I've always been the person that's been thinking ahead. Always. Yep. My 16th birthday, I got a Franklin planner. Anybody remember those? <laughs> oh, oh, I do. Yes. Franklin <laughs> Covey. Yep. I got it. Yep. And this girl was happy about it. Like, yep. I yep. am with you, Jen. I find planning just delightful. It became kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Like, I became mm-hmm. such a control freak. And so the idea of mindfulness and learning how to trust God. My, my new favorite verse really, and it's the verse for Heartland Christian Counseling is Proverbs 16 verse three, which is commit your ways to the Lord and he will establish your plans. Mm-hmm. I can still plan, but I'm realizing that he probably looks at me like the good shepherd looking at the sheep going, oh, aren't those adorable? <laughs> you know, Are you sure that's but, what he's but, saying? He thinks that's the right way. <laughs> right, right. Those are great little suggestions, but it will be different. You know, and you will be involved. I get to be involved in his work, but I got to keep committing my ways to him because he's got the plans. 
and it's his kingdom come, not our kingdom come. There are some pranks that you hear about and you're like, oh, yeah, that's funny. And then there are others where everybody in the room is like, whoa, no, that's awful. And And that is what we heard about. Yeah, you said it was awful. I was like, that is brilliant. I know. I love it so much. You like that kind of stuff. I don't know how I feel about pranks, especially this one. This one would cost me serious trust issues. So our friend Luann is involved with camping with kids and she's fantastic and loving and wonderful until she did something like this. (laughs) Apparently, the workers and the counselors and the adults froze mayonnaise mm-hmm. and then once it was frozen they called the kids in scooped it up put it in bowls and said it was an ice cream eating contest yeah not just here's some ice cream for you to slowly enjoy it is a no, no. contest it was an ice cream eating contest who can down this vanilla ice cream the fastest it was frozen mayonnaise. I love it so much. That is awful! That's brilliant! So there are people that you know as pranksters. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're on a team with one of them, you just can expect that they're going to oh, pull yeah. a prank. Something's right? going to happen. But there's something special about when somebody pulls a prank and it's a person that you would the least expect it of. My dear, sweet, wonderful Christian mother was watching my children one time and she was in the kitchen preparing food and my four-year-old son came wandering into the kitchen. He said, oh, what's that? Can I have some? And she said, oh, it's an apple. And she handed him an onion and he took a big bite. (laughs) Nice! (laughs) Did you ever think that your mother had that in her? No! (laughs) (laughs) That's what makes those pranks even better. For the last almost 45 years, we've been retelling. (laughs) Oh, I bet. Believe it or not, he still feels bad about this one. Well, then it must have been a pretty good prank. Then you, That's how you know it's a good prank. <laughs> my, my dad tells the story that when he was younger, his father, my grandfather, was idly carving away at a bar of soap. Oh, yeah. And he's, you know, just oh, kind yeah. of whittling down soap, I think doing I little soap sculptures. Fourth grade, we did a bunny out of well, soap. Yep. Here's the thing about my grandfather. He, he, you know, became a missionary for most of his life, but he started out as a commercial artist. So he was really good at whether it was painting or drawing or soap carving. And so he decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to carve this soap into the best-looking Reese's peanut butter cup that I can. Oh, no. And so he cuts this thing down. He even does, like, you know, Reese's cups have those ridges on the sides. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He does every single ridge, painstakingly gets each one, and then he gets out his paint set, and he paints this thing the most smooth, chocolatey brown. Oh, no! And by the time he's done, he looks at it and he goes, that is the closest thing to a Reese's peanut butter cup that I could ever do. Who fell for it? Well, as my grandfather sets it on the counter, no later does my father come (laughs) trouncing by, as young boys often do, and he just sees chocolate on the counter. Oh, no, he doesn't even ask. Well, no, he says, hey, Dad, is that that Reese's Cup for anybody? And my grandfather kind of folds his arms and tries to hold a straight face. He goes, no, it's just there. (laughs) And my father took a big old bite out of that soap. And my grandfather still, dad will tell that story and the the horror and sadness on my grandfather's eyes because he can still see the look of betrayal on my dad's face. (laughs) This has been the Taylor and Jen podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the life107.1 app.